a, a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step, step. All right, as I try to do my best Sean Morash impression to open up one giant step, we always thank you for taking it with us. I am producer Adam Marmick. You've heard the name. Now you're seeing the face and the voice. Leading in the show with, of course, Paul Dottino. As we continue, Paul, to try to figure out what Big Blue is planning for the Week 18 matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. How are we, sir, as the season is winding down? Good morning. Good to talk to you, Adam. I think I uh, was correct in asking Coach Brian Dable for a load management day on Monday and Tuesday so that I could take it easy (laughs) with some of his players. And indeed, it has allowed me to calm down some off of the high from last weekend when the Giants did clinch a playoff spot. You better believe it. If not for the video coverage of Daniel Jones giving the team off that extra day of rest, I wouldn't have been sure that it wasn't Paul in the locker room saying, guys, we'll see you on Wednesday. (laughs) But ultimately, they do get the extra rest. We are going to talk about what Brian Dable plans on doing heading into this Week 18 matchup that, in theory, does not have a lot for the Giants to accomplish. Certainly not from a playoff seeding standpoint, and from what the matchups are going to be. That's out of their control, what that wildcard playoff game is going to look like for them, knowing, though, that they are 100% in the playoffs. But we start with, unfortunately, I think in some ways, coming off that great win over the Colts, clinching the playoff berth. The media did have some follow-up questions for Kayvon Thibodeau uh, in regards to the sack on Nick Foles and the celebration after it. I I did find it, and I think you're going to have the same sentiments, a little bit frustrating the way in which they approach covering something like this around a rookie who had injuries early in the season, is trying to get to a place where he's a high-level impact leader for this defensive unit. It did feel a little bit to me like they were trying to pin him into a corner and get something out of him for a tasty tidbit. Yeah, I, I think so too, Adam. And and in, in reality, there are a lot of layers to unpack in this particular issue. But let's start with the first layer, all right? He did the snow angel celebration. Foles was hurt. Thibodeau had said after the game, he didn't realize Foles was actually that badly injured when he was doing it. Then he goes to the sideline. He does the nighty-night sleep thing, all right? I've said this, and I'm on record everywhere that I've been. I'm an old school guy. I'm an anti-celebration guy. I personally think that the NFL has gone way overboard with all of their choreographed celebrations. Yep. So I'd like to see all that stuff gone anyway. Because quite frankly, if it's gone, then you don't have people questioning others' intentions, do you? Yeah. I, I, I got to be honest with you. In that moment, um, we look at it and we say what? I can say... It doesn't look great lying there next to a player who looks like he may have injured himself in some way. And also, right. it's understandable that Kayvon Thibodeau got the sack. He is just thinking about celebrating and being jubilant about it. So the idea that you can't give a player a pass on a moment like that of maybe he wasn't aware, he understands what his goal is, what, it, what he's there to accomplish, I think it's okay. And to your point, I probably have a little bit of that old school mentality 
or I don't need all the excessive celebrations. There's a long game to play every single Sunday, and it's all right to get up and move on to that next play. So I'm not, I don't think there's much more to say beyond that, other than it was, if you just look at the play isolated, a really important play for Kayvon Thibodeau and that continued growth for him where he no right. longer shows that hesitation that he did earlier in the season, right? I think there were times when he wanted to both protect against that ball, get into the outside, and also get after the quarterback. He's playing. We almost, I think, forget he's a rookie. He's playing with that instinctual kind of skill set that we knew he had coming into the Giants organization. He's showing over the last month that he's an impact player and yeah. not just with these crushing hits but with the fact that he's he's coming up with them in big spots and big games, and, and he's becoming someone who the offensive coordinators have to worry about. He's becoming a headache player, as I like to call them, when they're trying to construct their game plan on Monday night. The other part to this onion, as we unpeel it, is when Jeff Saturday, the yeah. Colts head coach, had said it was tasteless, and he really kind of got on Thibodeau for the quote celebration well of course a couple of days later the writers get their first chance to talk to Thibodeau and what do they do well what was your reaction to Jeff Saturday criticizing you and Thibodeau not knowing who Jeff Saturday is because a Thibodeau is a young rookie in this league b Jeff Saturday just got the job about a month and a half ago when he took over the Colts as their head coach. So Thibodeau doesn't know who he is from anybody. In fact, he even admitted to us when he got drafted that he didn't know much about NFL history. Now we can argue whether or not that's, that's good or bad. I kind of like to think that guys will study up a little bit more on their profession, but he, he then told us he didn't know much about NFL history. So even if Jeff Saturday is one of the great centers that this league has seen in the last 30 years, I think it's plausible that he did not know the name Jeff Saturday. Right. So when he made the comment, which has been taken out of context, and he has been getting literally hung by his toenails for Mm -hmm. that I don't know who Jeff Saturday is. Therefore, uh, if I don't know a guy, I don't care what he says. I care about what people say when I know them. Well, I, I get it. I get yeah, it. The, if the question was, did you hear what coach Jeff Saturday had to say different about question. Play, Give him some different yeah. questions. Yes. Did you hear what the Colts head coach had to say about your display? Yeah. That's a different question than did you hear what Jeff Saturday said about you? As far as Kayvon Thibodeau is concerned, and I'm not going to get into his head, but I was there during the, 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 the interaction with the media. I got the impression not only did he not know who Jeff Saturday was, but the way they were baiting him and they asked him a similar question like three or four times, it could have just as easily had been one of those talking heads on FS1 or ESPN1 right. or ESPN2. And, and so frankly, he's you thinking don't want to himself, to right. Yes. He's, he's thinking to himself, I don't know who this guy is. It sounds like he's just one of those opinionated talking heads and so his answer reflected a, an attitude as opposed to maybe being respectful if he right. was asked, hey, the Colts head coach said this about it. He wasn't too fond of your issue uh, of, of what you did. What would you say to him? Well, now, if someone asks me the question that way, now I'm thinking, okay, 
Colts head coach. There's a certain command uh, or a uh, a respect that is commanded by the position and the title. I'm now going to answer the question in a much more relaxed and respectful manner, as yeah. opposed to Mr. X, who I have no idea who he is, and clearly the writers were baiting him. So, and I think it's very interesting too. The other quote that they came after him on was about how he's paid to get after quarterbacks, right? And be an impact player. And that's what he did. But the part that was left out of context in many of the stories is when he said, quote, you don't play the game for anybody to get injured. Yep. But I play defense. They brought me here to be a savage and take over the game. Okay. In its full context, you don't hear a man who wants to injure somebody right. in that quote. Right. But when you slice the quote and just take that second part, boy, it makes him sound pretty vicious, doesn't it? In totality, it sounds like an energetic young player looking to be an impact player for his team. And in little tiny chunks, it sounds like someone who's maybe not fully aware or fully thoughtful around the totality of the game and what can happen on any given play. It's a really good point, Paul, around that. Yeah, Adam, Adam, in all honesty, I think part of this is he's a rookie. He's very well spoken. He's not afraid to be outspoken. And he's a very affable guy. It's easy to listen to him and talk to him because he speaks very, very well with a lot of confidence and assertiveness. So I think as a rookie, he made the mistake of falling into the trap and he got baited and they took him out of context. And now they put a a nasty cloud over his head. I think if he's six or seven years into the league and the same issue happens again, he probably knows how to avoid it or understands how he's being backed into a corner and figures a way out. And by the way, in this particular case, he's a rookie and he, and he got pinned. And this is why players don't give, give interesting answers. This is why they don't go in depth with their responses because ultimately sometimes you feel like if I say it the wrong way, if I speak too much on this, then all of a sudden it becomes a clip, it becomes a sound bite, and I start to get painted in a certain way that does not represent who I am as a player or what I want to be on the field. That being Adam, the case, you're so right. You're so going, right. Oh, well, listen, <laughs> excuse me. I'm going to go ahead and print that out quote and hang it on my bulletin board. <laughs> I am so right from Paul Dettino. At this time, though, we're going to turn our attention over to now the week ahead. Obviously, the extra rest day rewarded by Daniel Jones to the team. What does it mean for this Week 18 matchup, and what does Paul Dettino think about whether or not the Giants and Brian Dable should be resting key players, or maybe everybody? We'll also hear from one Sean Morash as I generously bow out from the conversation and allow Sean to take over. Not to totally transition, because I did have to talk a little cave on with you, Paul, so I'm going to just throw my two cents in here, too. Please do. You just hit on a couple things with Adam that I think are worth noting. Number one, now that he has his stain on him, Staying on him by who? People outside the Giants. Because I'll tell you right now, Giant fans, I've seen them. They've been all over my Twitter. Everybody loves this guy after what he said. Giants media, what? Because Jordan might have got a bad answer out of it and he got a little snippy. Fine, whatever. I don't think he has a black stain here at all. In fact, I think that the Giants have lacked a guy with a little bit of that FU attitude, frankly. And yes, I think Kayvon should mature a little bit. But a guy like that is a typical guy that you love when he's on your team and hate when he's an opponent. And frankly, this giant team has lacked a guy like that for far too long. He wasn't malicious. He wasn't trying to injure Nick Foles or like dance on his grave, so to Correct. speak. He, that's all he did. 
He laid a hit. Nobody in the Colts came over to defend him. He did snow angels without looking over there. He did the night-night sleep thing. Okay, bad look. By the way, not the first time he's done it this year. And in the end, yes, the history thing. The, you're right. He thought he was talking about a media member. I, I had this. I don't remember who Tom Brady's center was all those years. I don't remember who Montana's center was all those years. And I said this last night. Last week, we saw a head coach not even know he could be eliminated. We've seen players not know overtime rules, but but he has to know who a center was when he was 12 years old. I'm sorry. Get lost, Paul. Yeah. I'm, you know, Sean, uh, it's, it's really a shame, but this is the mentality, the pack mentality of a lot of scribes that you see today where they will try to trap somebody. They'll smell blood. They'll get them into a corner, and they'll do what they can to take things out of context to kind of make them – uh, you know, the the judge and jury, if you will, so that they can pin a guy to the wall. And I think that's what happened with Thibodeau. I really do. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, this is one giant step. We've had our victory Monday. It's time to look ahead to a week 18 as Adam transitioned us just a, a little while ago. And I think that the next burning question behind Kayvon Thibodeau amongst giant fans is to play or not to play. That shall be the question. All right, Paul. I have and I ain't gone no back Shakespeare. And... You're not. No, neither am I. To be honest with you, neither am I. Uh, all right, Paul. Listen, I think that one thing is obvious, right? I think we can make a, a couple points. If you are a football player and you know playing football and you're a competitor, you're going to want to go out there and play the game. And I think that there are still a lot of Giant fans who say, "Hey, screw this. This is the Philadelphia Eagles. We should want to go out and play the game." And I have seen the argument. Uh, and I honestly don't know where you stand on this about the 07 Pats. By the way, that's NFL history and undefeated season. You're not talking about knocking the Eagles out from playing wildcard week. Correct. Around. Completely different. Totally different. Number two. Totally jo- different. Totally different. It was totally different historical purposes. Number two, 2016 year, the Giants did it and they knocked Washington out. It didn't have any positive effect. They lost the next week. Paul, let me just say this. We have spent here on one giant step. I know I have, and I know Giant fans have weeks talking about Brian Dable's greatest error this year's head coach was having a Dory Jackson return punts and putting him in an unnecessary position. We have also spent weeks questioning how far good we think the Giants actually are and how deep they go to the playoffs. Why? Well, because of their roster, lack of depth, and lack of talent. We have spent weeks talking about if we had so-and-so in the lineup, we had so-and-so in the lineup, maybe they win that game. I think it it's borderline idiotic to pound the drum, pound the table and say the starters, or at least that you can't rest everybody, but at least the key, key players have to play. The Giants have had a ton of guys banged up. You don't want to get a, a, a starter like Dexter Lawrence or Daniel Jones or Andrew Thomas injured in a game like this, because then without having them, you have no shot the following week. And oh, by the way, another thing that separates this, the Giants starters, and everybody, they've played their 16 games. Remember, this is much different. Now you have that extra game, which a lot of the pushback was player safety, player safety. If the Giants were in the Eagles spot right now, or the Giants had already clinched a one seed right now, we'd be celebrating them. Why? Because they would have earned a bye week and a week off. So how is this any different? How can't these guys have that same week off that they could have gotten if they got the one seed? Paul, I've really settled on this. I don't think any key players should see the field on Sunday. I agree with you. I think your list is very logical. It is very accurate. I think uh, Coach Dable will see it the same way. And as I've said, I believe even on our last program, you know, the Giants have a lot of guys who have played through some pretty nasty bumps and bruises just to get to this point to try to drag this team into the playoffs with nine victories. And that goes aside from the guys 
who have been actually on the injured list and missed time, okay? Their gas tanks are low. A number of these players are on fumes right now. So how is it right? How is it, how is it justice? How does it give your team the best chance to compete in the playoffs by pushing them even further this week in Philadelphia? How does that make any sense whatsoever in addition to the things that you have just listed, Sean? It makes yeah. none. Let's make it none. simple for everybody out there. It makes none. None. And and by the way, I could hear the argument about McKinney and Jackson and wanting to shake off Rust and playing somewhat. Those guys were different. And again, you have to play some of these guys. I'm also going to spin you forward on another couple angles on why I think this is silly. Look, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We are so pleased. And you know me, I was celebrating the Mary Clinchmas poll. We we're having a great time with it. We understand that even at a full roster, the Giants are undermanned, and it would take a valiant effort to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. And we understand that we've seen playoff runs in the past, anything can happen. If the Giants need to basically do all they can and pull out all the stops to beat the Philadelphia Eagles on their best day, would you rather that be Sunday or would you rather that be in two weeks potentially when they see them in a divisional round? And oh, by the way, if you play all your starters and you go full throttle in this game and you still get your ass kicked by the Eagles because they got their ass kicked already, well, how exactly does that provide momentum? In fact, that might just provide doubt that, you know what, they're not good enough and they don't belong. So I would rather just go out and not and have that unknown of how the Giants had full strength affair with the Eagles and see that and rise to that in the playoffs. I think if you give them all they have and you hang with them and you lose a tight game or beat them, well, then now you've shown your cards and the Eagles could easily watch that film and beat you again in two weeks. So it, to me, again, it just makes no sense to me, this attitude. And where you keep 07, 07, 07, it is not the same thing. In no way, shape or form is it the same thing because in 07, you were talking about the integrity of the game against all time history as well. Gee, what what good does it do you to beat the Eagles except potentially change their seed? That's a hell of a lot different than destroying a historic run of a perfect season. It's not the same at all in any way, shape, or form. Not to mention Tom Coughlin's team was healthy and a hell of a lot deeper in 2007 than this team is right now for Coach Brian Dable. And I'll add one other item to this entire picture, Sean. Not that you need any more salt in your soup, but I'll do it for you anyway. Think about this for a second. Brian Dable has preached, as has Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka, to all the guys in their roster, work hard, work hard, work hard, and you will earn your snaps. You'll be rewarded. Everybody's going to get a chance to play with our system, with our offense, with the way we play with our matchups. Well, there are guys like Quincy Roche, who has busted his butt all season long, been up and down on the practice squad a couple of times, even had to get waved once and come back, who has done nothing but work his butt off and help this team get to nine wins. Isn't it justifiable to let a guy like that play in this game, to reap the rewards of getting into a regular season game and say, look, you earned this. You bled and you sweat for us all year. Here's a chance to play. How about doing that yeah. for some of the guys who are deep on the back end of the depth chart who have listened to the coach and said, Coach, we're giving our all for you. We know we're not playing this week. We know we're on the practice squad, or we know we're going to be scratched and not get a jersey on Sunday. But by God, thanks for giving me a chance to play in the last regular season game because that's my feel-good reward for everything I've done for you this year. 
Right, and tape that you know anybody else could look like look at if they're not coming back next year, another team, something like that. And Paul, look, let's let's not kid ourselves too. You know, part of the reason we're rubbing our hands together, going, let's play the Minnesota Vikings. Well, the Vikings have some serious injuries along their offensive line right now. It is totally plausible that the Giants get into the first quarter of a playoff game. And like we saw in that Bear game, could Daniel Jones running the ball turn around and, and get hurt somehow? Uh, I mean, yeah, that's totally possible. Could Andrew Thomas get stepped on somebody, run into him, you know, roll an ankle? Sure. Same thing, Dexter. Saquon Barkley, same deal. And the reason I bring that up is we know what the starting key players of the Giants are by now. You're not going to learn anything new about them in week 18. We've seen Daniel no. Jones's emergence, all of that. You know what we need to know? If called upon, can Tyrod Taylor, Gary Brightwell, Matt Parrott, can these guys step in in a pinch in a playoff game and be ready? You want to talk about rust? Those guys should get all those reps because you never know. You might need them next week. And then what's better for the team, that they had just played last week or not? You know, Sean, I believe the other day on Twitter, you had had someone talk to you about 2007. And I had to remind yeah. that that person, that Gray Rugemer, was the starting center in the first yes. round of the People 2007 playoffs. As did Sam Madison. Yeah. That's correct. And and you had uh, Aaron Ross start the first two games. In fact, he started the whole postseason because Sam Madison, when he came back for the third postseason game, was only coming back in the sub package because he had gotten hurt in the regular season finale. Um, what better time, in addition, as you say, to allow these guys who haven't played an opportunity to play, and they've got more rust than anybody because guys like Matt Baird have barely played, period. So imagine the rust that he's got. Get his rust scraped off in case he's needed to come in during the second quarter of of a first-round playoff game. No, there's nothing. There is nothing, and I repeat, nothing that anybody can say to me that makes sense to play all your starters in this game. Yeah, absolutely. So Paul and I in lockstep on that. Obviously, you heard Adam and Paul break down a lot of the cave on Thibodeau before we get into a game prediction, if we could even have one in a game like this, but we'll have some fun with it. Uh, A little tip of the hat here as we transition to look ahead. Paul, you're somebody in that locker room every day. Julian Love did win the George Young Award for, you know, basically his role with the media in relation, the good guy award. Uh, your your thoughts on his growth this season? I mean, we know his growth as a player. He went from Mr. Duct Tape to an absolutely necessary, you know, part of me. You got guys with big heads sitting in the front row of Julian Love out there. That's how he become a star he's become. But his leadership, everything, what have you seen from the growth of Julian Love? Yeah, I think the impressive thing about him is not that he's become a guy who could play any spot. As you said, Duct Tape is what uh, Joe Judge dubbed him as. Here he is in his first year as a full-time safety playing extremely well, leads the team in tackles. In fact, I believe he is the second leading tackler among safeties in the National Football League this year, as we speak right now. That's how important he has become. We know he took the green dot over when Xavier McKinney got injured with the auto accident midway through the season. So let's throw that onto his list of plaudits. And then on top of that, he is named a co-captain because of how he is regarded in the locker room. And then on top of all of this, he has to become, just by de facto, one of the team's media spokesmen. because, after all, he is one of the captains. He is a nice guy. He's very well-spoken. He's got so much responsibility. And now he has the added responsibility 
of talking to the media virtually every day, win or lose, tough situation or not. That's pressure. In New York, that's pressure. We just talked about how a rookie like Kayvon Thibodeau was backed into a corner and, and kind of made to look bad. Well, Julian Love, I know he's been in the league a couple of years now, but he embraced that. And I, I can't say enough of great things about him. And it's one of the reasons the Giants have already talked to him about an extension. They just got to work out the details, but they want him here long term. And you can see why. Yeah. And Paul, listen, we obviously don't know uh, exactly at the time of taping what Brian Dable is going to do. So take these very much with a grain of salt. Don't go rush to FanDuel, BetMGM, DraftKings or whatever. We got to give game picks because it's a game weekend anyway, and we'll have some off-the-wall you know, fantasy reality stuff as well. Uh, I'm going to start it off, Paul. The Eagles are big time like two touchdown favorites in this game, and they need to play, and they need to try to secure the one seed. I think, unfortunately, we're going to sit there and we're going to take a little bit of a thumping. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to flex in this game a little bit. I think they're going to score their points. I think we get a 30-17 to 17 type win. The Giants will find their way to the end zone I think because Tyrod Taylor is not incapable. Uh, I'm going to go 30-17 Eagles beat us down here this weekend. And I was thinking something like 31-13 myself for Philadelphia. We're really kind of thinking philosophically the same way. Okay, Brian Dable. Uh, will listen to this podcast and decide to bench most of his starters, which will be the right thing to do. And and they will methodically, you know, try to try and do what they can do. But Philadelphia is going to play everybody. They're going to have to. They'll get an early uh, halftime lead. And sometime by the middle of the third quarter, you know, it'll be a two touchdown game. And, and then everybody's going to kind of cruise the rest of the way because I'm sure Philly's going to call off their dogs in the fourth, too. There's no sense in them getting any extra guys hurt going into the playoffs either. No doubt about it. Now, Paul, I will say it's impossible to pick. You know, so I got a fantasy pick touchdown. Play. But I'm going to say this. I think you're going to get a lot of Gary Brightwell Sunday. So it wouldn't shock me if he ended up in the end zone, if you want to take some flyers with some anytime touchdowns. And one that I would have liked before I really thought about it, just for the story. I was going to say Kenny Galladay finally scores this, you know, meaningful, uh, meaningless touchdown. However, you know, they may not want to get him hurt with any kind of injury guarantees on the contract. I know he's dressed and played very, very minimal snaps. Somebody's going to have to take the snaps at wide receiver. I could be completely wrong. And maybe they don't even let him, you know, get near a spot where he's going to get hurt. I understand all that. But boy, wouldn't it be an ultimate twist of irony, the most meaningless game to end the year if if Kenny Galladay finally scores his first touchdown as a New York Giant? That would be pretty, uh, pretty unbelievable. Uh, I, I, I look. I told you before. I like the guy. I know how hard he works. I'd love nothing more than to see him get some measure of success by the time the season is all over, whether it's now or maybe in the playoffs. But you know where I'm going to go because it's a guy that I've talked about so many times during the course of the season. And Matt Breida had nine carries for 59 yards mm. last week, and showed that he still has a lot of gas in his tank. And I, I just, I, I'm, I'm really pulling for Matt because I, I know how frustrating it could be. You remember now in his first three years with San Francisco, he had five 100 yard games and ran for 800 yards during one of those seasons. He's a legit back who over the course of his career has had very good averages and numbers. And I, and I think that Mac Breed is going to do some business this week. 
I love it. Matt Breida, Gary Brightwell, get those jerseys ready, Paul. We'll close out the regular season <laughs> in style. 425 on CBS is the game. I guess it'll be a Nansen Romo game as well, as obviously it means the world for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, Paul, uh, look, we're going to enjoy the weekend. Any updates on, on getting the starters and everything? We can all get you on Twitter. Let everybody know where we can find you, as always. That would be at Giants WFAN. You follow me at Moraz CBS. Thank you so much for producer Adam leading the way to start the show as well today. Hey, everybody, feet up, relax. Don't stress out. Don't argue with everybody on social media about the starters playing and this, that, and the other thing. And thanks for taking one giant step with us. Today.